about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. All right, are you ready? All right, take your Bibles tonight, go to Hebrews chapter 4, Hebrews 4. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to, to teach your word. Father, I thank you that revelation will come from this as we build on our foundation of the kingdom of God, that we will come into an understanding of what the kingdom is, where the kingdom is, how we operate in the kingdom of God, and how we extend the kingdom of God. That's a purpose you put us here to do. So I thank you for the spirit of God tonight and what he's going to do. I thank you for open minds and open hearts and revelation that will flood into the spirit of each and every person here. And I give you glory and honor and praise for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Okay, Hebrews chapter 4, look at verse 12. It says, For the word of God is quick or alive and powerful. It is sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight, but all things are naked and open under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. First of all, if you will never understand the kingdom of God unless you spend time in the word of God, it just won't happen for you. You'll never take advantage of the kingdom life that you were born into unless you spend time in the word of God because the word of God basically reveals the kingdom of God and God to you and also it reveals you to yourself. So it's important to spend time in the word of God. The word of God is basically God speaking to you as a person. It is his thoughts, his will, his desires that were written down on paper for us. So that means we don't have to question what God's thoughts are, what God's will really is, what his desire is, because he wrote them down for us in this book so that we could read them and understand them. Thus says the Lord is repeated over 2,000 times from Exodus to Deuteronomy alone. How many know God does a lot of talking? So the word of God is a living thing here, it says. It is active more cutting than a double-edged sword. Notice it will affect all three parts of you, your spirit, your soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions, and your physical body. The Word of God is a living thing. It is cutting. It is a double-edged sword. It will reveal the very thoughts and intents to your heart from the heart of God. Now, notice not only will it tell you what to do and how to do it, but it will also give you the motive why you do it. And that's important in this day and age because, you know, with the Spirit on the move right now in the hearts and minds of people. Everybody wants to, you know, cast out devils, heal the sick, do what they're supposed to do, which is good. But the question is, why do you want to do that stuff? And the Word of God will deal with your motives on why you want to do it. Do you want to do it, be a world-famous evangelist who casts devils out and heals the sick? Or do you want to do it simply because you love the people like God loves the people? So the Word of God will also work on not just what to do and what not to do, but also the motives that are in your heart. It will it'll isolate them. Now notice verse 13 it says, neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight. Say his sight. Now notice it's talking about the word. But all things are naked and open under the eyes of him, say him, with whom we have to do. Here it switches up in the next verse and shows you that the word is the same as he. In other words, Jesus and the word are one. God and the word are one. They are the same. So the word is a living thing. It's not just in a book. The word basically is in the lips of a believer and in the heart of a believer, it will produce fruit in their lives. The living word will search out and it will find you and tell you who you are. 
Nothing is hidden from the word of God. The word of God will find everything in your life. All right, go to John 16. You can read the word for a lot of years and never get anything out of it if you think God's talking to your spouse. You're reading the Bible and say, oh, yeah, man, I'll tell you what, she needs to read that. Let me mark that down and put that under her pillow and maybe she'll see it. And Notice, it's the word of God talking to you. Say to me, because God wants to do it with you. He wants to do it by the word and the spirit of God in your own heart. All right, John chapter 16, look at verse 7. It says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. Now, who's the comforter? Holy Ghost. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father and you shall see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world has been judged. So here it tells you the word is your contact with God the Father. It is your contact with the kingdom of God and actually with the spirit realm itself. The word is the source, number one, of conviction. The word will convict you. It will convict you of sin. Why, it says here, because we did not believe on him. How many of you had a time when you didn't believe on him? We all had a time when we rejected him. We didn't really know what we were doing. So through the word of God, it drew you into that relationship of being born again with the Lord Jesus Christ. Number two, it convicts us of righteousness. Say righteousness. It shows us basically that although at that time in the word we were children of the devil, at that time we were sinners, that righteousness has been available to each and every one of us, now made available by the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. The day of salvation is today. The kingdom of God is at hand. These are not future things. The word will show you that today you can be translated out of one kingdom and into the other kingdom by the word of God, even though at one time you were a child of the devil. Say, child of the devil. All right, just go to John 8. Show you these for your own references. Because you'll teach this stuff and you'll show it to people and they'll say, I was never a child of the devil. Everybody's a child of God. We're all children of God. And you're going to say, no, you're not. And they're going to say, prove it. And you're going to say, well, my pastor said two years ago that, that that's the way it was. And So John chapter 8, look at verse 44. Notice it is in red. Jesus talking to the Pharisees and Sadducees. You are of your father the devil. And the lust of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode in the and did not abide in the truth because there is no truth in him. So right there he called the, their father the father of who? Yeah. The devil. All right, go to 1 John chapter 3. First John, way back at the end there. Little John. 1 John chapter 3, look at verse 10. He says, In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of who? The devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loves not his brother. So here you can see that even in this book here, they said there's two people on earth. There are people who are the children of God, and there are people who are the children of the? How many know that people aren't born again, whether they're your, your relatives or your loved ones? If they're not born again, they are still children of the devil. You say, how come they act like that? Well, because their father's the devil and they're children of the devil. Until they're born again, that's the way they're going to act. So it's important to get them born again. All right, going back to the other one, he shows us, convicts us of righteousness. And the last thing he does, he convicts us of judgment. Say judgment. judgment. 
Now notice what it says back in John. It said that Satan has been judged. How many know that Satan has been judged? He's lost his hold on us. He has been destroyed in all his works. The Bible says he was spoiled and made a public show of in Colossians 2.15. In Hebrews 2.14, it says he was brought to naught. Say naught. Now, everybody knows what naught is. If you ever took a test and got a naught, you know it wasn't very good. So he was brought to naught, basically. What was he brought to? Zero. When? When Jesus went to the cross, he defeated the devil once and for all. So what are we supposed to do? We're going to be convicted. Number two, we're going to find out that righteousness is available to me. I can be born again. And right after that, you're going to find out that devil has been defeated once and for all in my life. And all these things are shown you only in the Word of God. Faith in these facts that you see in the Word is what causes you to grow. When you act on these facts in your life, it causes you to grow. No reason to be afraid of the devil. Why? Because he's been spoiled. The principalities and powers have been put down. Why? Because he's been brought to naught. No sense getting excited when he comes around. Just run him off, praise God. And this stuff is basically in the word of God to keep us set free. All right, go to James chapter 1. Love to hear them pages turning. Yeah, I like that. James chapter 1. Look at verse 18. It's talking about God. Of his own will begat us, he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of fruits of his creatures. What's it talking about being begat? It's talking about being born again. Here it says the day that you got born again, it was God's plan and God's purpose. He used the word of truth rather than the lies that you knew at that time, and you got begat or you got born again. How did you get born again? Through the word of truth. Notice the only thing ever holding you back in any situation in your life is the lie that you are believing. If you find out about the truth of the Word of God and you just believe the truth rather than the lie you've been believing, you are delivered. You don't have to roll around the floor for six weeks. You don't have to say somebody come out. Just change your way you're thinking to the truth and instantly you're set free in your own thought life. Praise God. Hallelujah. So here it says you've been born again through the Word of truth. Basically, His Word led you to the door. Do you know who the door is? Jesus said, I am the, the door. And he led you to the door, and you went through the door, which is Jesus Christ, into something called the kingdom of God. Now, once you go through that door, once again, you're going to find out what happened to you by going back to the Word and finding out what God did for you in the Word of God. How many know the new birth was a miracle? Sometimes we say, oh, Lord, I need a miracle. Man, you got one of the biggest miracles of your entire life, and you don't even remember when it happened, praise God. He took you in an instant from being a child of the devil in one click of the fingers and took you into the kingdom of God and gave you the Holy Ghost. Man, how many know that's a miracle? Glory to God. All right. So you're basically born again by the word of God, which led you to truth, which brought you out of the lie that the world was telling you. All right, go to First Peter chapter 1. And you hear people give you excuses all the time. You know, I'd come to church, but when I walk in, the walls are going to fall down when I come in that place. They think that God's against them rather than he already provided something for them. And if they just understand that he's not mad at them, doesn't hate them, not trying to keep them out of the kingdom of God, they would do a lot better. All right, 1 Peter chapter 1. Look at verse 23. Being born again, how many of you are? Notice, not of a corruptible seed, but of an incorruptible by the word of God, which lives and abide how long? 
forever. So here it says once again, you were born spiritually. You were born of the seed of the word of God. You were born of an incorruptible seed. Say incorruptible seed. And that word then when you got born again imparted something called eternal life in you. Eternal life is the life of God. It doesn't mean you're going to live forever because everybody's going to live forever someplace. It's talking about the life of God coming on the inside of you. Now, if it wouldn't be for the word of God, you would not know that you were a new creation. You would not know that you've been redeemed. You would not know if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. You would not know that you were made the righteousness of God in Christ. You would not know that by his stripes ye were, past tense, healed. Only the word gives us life and brings to us all the benefits of the kingdom life. The Bible says he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Well, what are they? Well, get in the Bible and find out what they are, and then you can receive what they are. They're all written down in this book for you, and they've all been given to you, praise God. Now, notice you were born of an incorruptible seed. Say incorruptible seed. The incorruptible seeds here, it says it's the word of God, but actually God and his word are? They're one. And if you read where Jesus was talking, the Bible actually calls Jesus the seed. And unless the seed fall into the ground and die, it doesn't produce much fruit. How many know he fell into the ground? How many know he died? How many know he produced much fruit? How many know that that fruit that he produced is incorruptible? It's not, I'm a sinner, I'm a failure. No, every seed produces after its own kind. An apple produces an apple, it doesn't produce an orange. So the seed that we were born again by is a God seed, a Jesus seed, the word of God, and basically the seed to plant and you are just in the image and likeness of him because every seed produces after its own kind. Praise God, hallelujah. All right, Romans chapter 12. I mean, you get a revelation of this stuff and you've got to get from wanting to slap people to love them. Because you're around some people and you're around these Christians and they're talking and all at once you say, how are you doing? I'm very good. I'm just a failure and I'm just a sinner and I'm just trying my best for you. You got to love them and just say, no, no, that's not what the word says. The word says that you're a victor. The word says he's more than a conqueror. Oh, I don't believe that. Well, I know that, praise God. So I'm trying to give you a seed to, to help you do that, praise God. All right, Romans chapter 12. Look at verse 2. It says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and the perfect will of who? Of God. Now notice, only through renewing your mind, your thought life, your imagination to the word of God, will you ever discover the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God, which is basically God's purpose. Now, notice that there's a growth there. First of all, you will understand the good will. Then you'll get the accepted will. But someday you're going to get to the perfect will of God. And when you get to the perfect will of God, it's when you come in perfect agreement with God's thoughts, with God's ways, with God's desires, and that's when you and God actually really become co-laborers in the kingdom of God to do God's work. So we are called to prove or to provide proof of his will here on the earth. That means I must enforce his will in the earth, first of all, in my own circumstances and situations, then the circumstances and situations of others. What is God's will? Now, how are you going to enforce the will if you don't know the will? You're not going to, well, let me pray for you. Let me, God moves in mysterious ways. Let me pray for you. Well, you don't even know how he moves. How are you going to pray for me and pray his will into my life when you don't even know anything? Well, God can do it. Well, will he? I don't know, but he can. 
Well, why don't you read the book and find out if he wants to to begin with? So then, then you know, basically. You walk up to somebody and say, hey, I know God wants to heal you, right? And how do you know? Because he said so in his book, praise God, right here. I mean, that builds faith rather than let's hope something happens when I do this. See, you've got to know the perfect will of God, then you can enforce his will or prove his will. What's he trying to do? He's trying to get his kingdom into the earth realm to make earth just like heaven. And how many know there's not a whole lot of sickness in heaven right now? No angels who are broke and all the saints actually got a place probably to live and everything. Praise God. All right. Go to Colossians chapter 3. Renewing of the mind through the word of God. Change the way you think. Change the way that you believe. All right, Colossians chapter 3, look at verse 10. And have put on the new man. How many know that's the new creation that you are? And you're putting him on where? In your mind and in your thought life. Put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that did what? Created him. So how am I going to be renewed? I'm going to be renewed basically by looking into this mirror of the Word of God, seeing who Jesus is and who I am, and you'll find out that Jesus is just like you are and you are just like he is because you've been created in his image and his likeness. So basically, once again, you're renewing his, your mind to a place to find out who you really are. You're going to find out who he is. You're going to find out his ability. You're going to discover his nature on the inside of you, his desires, his power and his purpose. But you're also going to find out your ability, your nature, your desires, your purpose, and who you are, discovering who you are. So the mind is renewed basically by two things, reading and studying the Word of God and acting on the Word. Your mind is only renewed by studying and reading the Word and acting. Say acting. Acting. See, that's why some people can study the Word for years and years and years and years and years. If you don't act on and do what the Word says, it will not renew your mind. You have to prove to your mind that the Word of God is true sometimes. You have to show your mind that it's going to work out. Because your mind's hooked into the natural things, and it doesn't like the supernatural things. I mean, there's many Bible students who are deceiving themselves, the Bible says. Why is that? Because they're hearing the Word. They've got 45 million books. Uh, they've got everything underlined. They're going to all the classes, but they're not doing what they're finding out to do in the Word. Therefore, their mind is not being changed. In James 1 place, it says, Be ye doers of the Word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Everybody will say, oh, that devil. Oh, that you. Yeah. Yeah. Devil, won't, devil won't do this. Yeah, well, you haven't renewed your mind. You haven't did what the Word told you to do in that situation. When it says forgive, guess what? When it says don't become offended, guess what? When it says love unconditionally, guess what? Got to do that, don't you? And if you do, well, I know what it says, but. I mean, no, that's an ugly word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, he says that, but. He don't understand my situations. Well, until you're hung on a cross and nailed and beaten and stabbed in the side, don't even come to me with your little problems. Praise God. Hallelujah. So you want to act on the word. Say, I need to act on the word if I'm going to really renew my mind. All right, go to Colossians. Oh, we're already in Colossians. Go chapter 3, verse 16. Here's a good scripture here. It says, let the word of Christ. Now, who, who's, whose job is that? It's yours, ain't it? It doesn't say, oh God, let the word of Christ dwell in me. No, you let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to who? 
to the Lord. So here it says, let the word basically take over your thought life by dwelling in you richly. Say richly. Pretty soon as you let the word dwell in your heart, it's going to become part of your thought life. It's going to become part of your speech. It's going to become part of your actions. It's going to do it without you trying to do it. It's going to become part of you on the inside. It must become a part on the inside. It must become alive in your heart and in your mouth. Now, for the word to dwell in you, there's one thing you must do. You must dwell in the word. The word's going to dwell in you. You must dwell in the word. So what am I going to do? I'm going to fill up on the word of God. Are you going to get major revelations off the bat? No, you're going to start out at stage one because a lot of us had a lot of changing to do when we first got saved. Hallelujah. Matter of fact, everything you read in the Bible, you weren't doing. You could have read two sentences every morning and practiced it for a week and then read two more. Why is that? Because we were messed up. Our thought life was messed up. So I let that word of God in me rich me. One of the things that I did that God had me do as soon as I got born again, I told it before, I had these little note cards. And I had these note cards in there and I started reading the Bible. Everything about healing, I would pull a little note card, put healing at the top and write that verse in there. And I would say faith. And I'd pull another note card out, write faith. And if I found something else later, faith, I'd pull the faith note card out and I'd write on the faith. Pretty soon I had note cards full of healing, full of faith, full of deliverance, full of power and I had them all together, see, so I could read each one after another, and it would bring revelation because they're all got a little bit different meaning to each and every one. It took me a couple of years to do that, but how many of you know it, it worked out good because I was putting things together, and once you do that then, and the Holy Ghost speaks to you and gives you a scripture in here, and it enlightens you on the inside, and you see that scripture all at once, you say, oh, he said that over here. Oh, he said that over here too. And he said that over here. And that's how you grow. That's how you get to a place where you're solid because out of the mouth of one witness, no, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be. And that's what we're trying to do, aren't we? We're trying to establish the word. So it's going to take more than just pulling one scripture out and saying, that's what God said. No, you've got to have it backed by two or three scriptures so that it gets on the inside of you and works for you. All right, go to John chapter 15. All right, John 15 here is uh, talking about the word of God on the inside of us. Look at verse 7. Jesus said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. Notice here it's talking about the word of God living and abiding on the inside of you. Now, if the word of God gets in there and you get full of the word of God, here it says, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done to you. Now, why is that? Because you've already renewed your mind to God's perfect will, so you're not going to ask something contrary to his will so God can't do it. You are going to cooperate with God's will to pray and get things done in your life that God wills and you will together. Are you following me? It has to be something in the word of, oh, Lord, give me four wives. I'm letting the word of God by. No, it doesn't work that way. Do you see? It works in line with what the word of God says. So now I've got his will and his word is now abiding on the inside of me. And I'll tell you when the word really starts to go to work in you, it's when that still small voice, how many of you have heard it? How many of you obeyed it? How many sometimes you didn't? Yeah? See, that still small voice on the inside of you starts bringing the word up to you, starts bringing the word back to you. You get in a situation, and all at once, here it comes. The word out of no place. You weren't even looking for it. You didn't even want it. And there it was, you know. Oh, I got a right to get mad at so-and-so, and I'm never going to talk to them again. Forgive. Oh, I hate that voice. Get... Who said that? 
You see, what's it do? That, that spirit of God's on the inside. He's saying, ha ha, this is what we do. This is the way we do it in the kingdom. Are we happy in the kingdom? And why does he do that? Because he's mad at you? Because he knows it's better for your health if you cooperate with the kingdom of God. If you walk around in unforgiveness and anger and mad and, and strife and division and all this stuff, it affects your physical body. Your physical body is controlled by your soul and by your spirit in a lot of cases, and you can't walk around in that stuff. So what am I going to do? I'm going to start producing much fruit. Say much fruit. So I'm going to produce in my prayer life. I'm going to produce in my daily walk. People are going to know there's something different about me. Uh, I was playing basketball this week on uh, Tuesday, and uh, some kid came up to me at Vero Beach that we've been playing, played with him a bunch of times, but it was closed down. Now he came back up, and he came up to me, and he said, oh, I was in the stand sitting during the first game, and I heard you're a pastor. I said, yeah. He said, well, I've been playing ball with you for a year, and I, I never knew you were a pastor. I said, well, I don't really wear a T-shirt that says pastor or a hat that says, you know, Jesus loves me or anything like that. I just come to play basketball. And he says, oh, I'm sorry last year when I had that fit and I cussed left and right. And when I said, hey, hey, don't worry about it. You know, it didn't bother me. Don't bother you. Bother, bother. Well, why does that happen? I mean, why don't, because my actions are different than everybody. I'm not in there screaming and hollering and spiking the basketball. and uh, Why? Because really it's not important to me, number one. But number two, I have a different nature on the inside of me. Are you following? I don't get involved in that when it happens. As a matter of fact, I try to tone it down if I can do it. Well, he noticed, he said, oh, there's something about you. You know, you never got any arguments and you just played and you kept your mouth shut. I knew there was something different about you. And I just said, you know, you can live that way too. You don't have to get mad over some stupid basketball game, you know, if you don't want to. I mean, you want to remember this afternoon who won or lost anyway. What makes a difference, see? So fruit comes into your life and people know they know you're somebody who doesn't get upset all the time. They know you're not worrying all the time. They know why, because kingdom fruit is coming to pass in your life and the kingdom of God on the inside of you. Now look at verse six. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered and men gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. What's he saying? Every time you separate from my word or my will, basically you cut yourself off from me and my ability and my fruit and my thoughts and my ways. So here he's telling you basically do not disobey the word, become the word basically and obey what the word tells you to do and it will cause growth in your life. All right, go to Ephesians chapter 3. Lord. All right, Ephesians chapter 3, look at verse 17. It says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height and to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge, that you might be filled with all the fullness of God. Hallelujah. I love that last line. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Hallelujah. How many know that's a good thing? So he says, now we know Christ and his word are one. We found that out. So that the word may dwell in your heart by what? By faith. So I want the word of God not only to be in me, but I want to act on the word. I want to release my faith in that word, basically. Basically, when I was growing up in the things of God and I got hooked to the faith movement, I thought you use faith to get things from God. That's all I understood was if I wanted money, I used my faith. If I wanted healing, I used my faith. If I wanted Christ to dwell in my heart, I used my faith. But notice, Christ was already in my heart. 
So I was faithing for Christ to get in my heart when he was already in my heart, which really wasn't doing very much good because he was already in there. Are you following me? So faith, basically, a lot of times is not to get something, it's believing that you already have something. And that's the difference between religion and kingdom. Religion is always trying to get something from God. Kingdom realizes that he's already gotten it by grace freely, and he's putting faith in what he's got and taking advantage of it so it manifests in his life. Lord, give me more love. Give me more love. We already gave the love of God shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. Where are you going? How can you go any further than that? You see, we're, we're praying prayers that aren't any good because we don't know what he's already done for us and the will he's given us, basically. Prayer time should be more of, thank God I have the love of God in my heart, just like Jesus does. I can love just like the Lord has today. But if you're praying to get it and don't believe you got it, you won't act like you got it, and then you'll pray even harder to try to get it. Are you following me? And that's what religion does. Oh, God, give me this. Oh, Lord, give me wisdom. Give me, well, the Bible says you've got Christ in you. How many think he might have a little wisdom? Come on, it says he's your wisdom, he's your knowledge, he's your righteousness. Where is he on the inside of me? So I'm going to put faith on the Christ who's already in me. I'm going to put faith in the wisdom and the knowledge that's already in me, the power that's already in me. All these things are already in me. So faith is believing that you have those things, not you're trying to get them things. Because if you believe you're trying to get them, then you will think your conduct is the qualifier for getting them. And every time you don't get them, you just think it's your conduct. When it's not, you've already got them and you just don't understand yet. You haven't spent enough time in the Word to understand that you have these things. Are you following me? So what's religion always doing? Religion is trying to always get something from God. Kingdom is always trying to find out what God wants and doing it with Him. See, more God's will than our will. So basically, I want to walk in the will of God. What's God's will? Is it God's will to heal the sick? Yeah. Is it God's will to cast out a devil if I run? Yeah. Is it God's will to walk in love in this situation? Yeah. See? So I know God's will. I don't have to pray about it. I don't have to seek it anymore. I've already found it out because the Word of God is dwelling in me richly. You know, we talked about richly over the last five weeks about money. Well, when the Word gets in you richly, it'll take care of your money getting richly. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So we let the Word of God basically have right away in our life when Christ is on the inside of us. So if you obey the Word, you are actually obeying Christ. A visit with the Word is a visit with Christ. The word dominating your life is Christ dominating your life. If the word is Lord of your life, then he is Lord of your life. If you don't care about the word and couldn't care less, then really you don't care much about him and could care less. Hallelujah. See, I gave you all them good ones first and I hit you with the last one. Praise God. Hallelujah. That's the way it works. But that's the truth. If his and his word are one, there should be a hunger for you. If you love the word of God, then you love him. You love him because you want to you do everything he's called you to do, become everything that he, he wanted you to be, and basically it gives you a chance by understanding that Christ lives on the inside of you. All right, go to Acts chapter 20. All right, Acts chapter 20, are you there? Look at verse 32. And now, brethren, that means you, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. Notice here it says, what will the word of God do? Number one, it will build you up. How I many know it's talking about spiritually? And it will also give you an inheritance. 
So the word basically is here to build the Christ nature on the inside of you, the love nature on the inside of you, peace on the inside of you, joy on the inside of you, who the Father is for you, what you can do according to the word of God, who you are. God is building himself into us. He is making himself a part of us as the word dominates us, as the word rules us, as it feeds our spiritual nature. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. You cannot build yourself up spiritually on theories. You can't build it up off natural intelligence. You can't even build it up off stories of other people and what they did and how they did it and what God did for them. The word of God is what builds you up on the inside. You can't really compare yourself to other people. You need to compare yourself to what the word says that you are. So only the word can feed you. That's why the Bible says desire the sincere milk of the word that you may do what? grow thereby. See, if, you're, if a brand new Christian gets really, I'd be really touched to God, they're going to be hungry for the Word of God. If they don't even care about the Word of God, then I, I doubt whether they're a baby because i got a grandbaby and I'll tell you what, you don't feed her milk, you find out about it very shortly, praise God. See, even a, even a natural person knows that, a natural baby. So basically there was a hunger. When I got born again, I wanted the Word all the time. I, I had note cards above here and I had stuff taped to the mirrors and I had, I mean, it was everywhere that I went, basically, it was there. Why was that? There was a hunger on the inside of me to grow. There was a hunger on the inside of me to change. So there should be a desire on the inside of you. And, and the, more, more you, the more you go after it, the more you want it. That's with everything, isn't it? Desire always follows your attention. Whatever you give your attention to, you'll desire. If you give your attention to doing this, then you'll want to do it all the time. You know, forget about everything else. When you give your attention to the Word, you'll start to desire it more and more and more and more and more. So just give your attention to the Word of God, and it will grow on the inside of you. Even when people, you know, they say they go through dry times or whatever. Basically, a dry time is you basically just step back a little bit. It's called backsliding, but you only slid back a little bit. But just get back in the Word and slide back up where you were. It's, it's no real big thing. It's not like you fell off a cliff and died, for God's sakes. You slid back a little bit. So now we're going to go forward, you know. And sometimes that's hard. How many of you know that? I don't feel like reading the Bible. Well, who cares what you feel like anyway? If your feelings are going to control you, you're already in big trouble, praise God. So you don't want to go to feelings and emotions. I'm going to do it anyway. Sometimes you start to pray in tongues and your mind says, that's stupid. Why are you doing that? That ain't doing any good. And you shut up, mind, and then just pray a little louder, praise God. Make it mad, hallelujah. Go for it. And pretty soon, you know what? You'll kick into that second gear, won't you? All at once, it'll just start praying and you're not even trying anymore. And you're going down the street later that day and here it comes again out of the inside of you. What did you do? You jump-started the well on the inside of you and now it's flowing, praise God, naturally. So it doesn't matter about feelings. These are things sometimes it come easy and sometimes you've got to force-feed yourself. And I'll tell you, when you're first born again, it's easy because you don't know anything. Everything you're learning, you think you've got the divine revelation that's going to save the world. And then you find out it's only a very small part of what you really should know, and then you find something else. But as you learn more and more and more, it gets tougher because now you've got a revelation, and the revelation either is something new or you go deeper in the revelation you already had, and sometimes that takes a little more work than it did before, praise God. Hallelujah. So just stay with it. All right, notice what else. It'll build you up and it'll give you what? An inheritance. Say an inheritance. Now, this is important because the Word will give you your inheritance. I don't have to get my inheritance. I got my inheritance when the one who gave me my inheritance died. How I many know that's the way it works in the natural? 
If my mom's got an inheritance for me, uh, I'm going to get it when she dies. I don't have to pray and fast 40 days and 40 nights to get it because I'm in the will and praise God, whatever happens and whatever she's got and she will to me belongs to me and it's mine. But I will never know what's in it unless I actually go and read the will. I wonder what she left me. Do you know what she left me? No, I don't know what she left me. Do you know what she left me? I don't know what she... Did you ever think of reading the will? Oh, my God, that might be a good idea. And Christians are the same way. I don't know what he did for me. I don't know what he left me. You never read the will, praise God. Read the will. And notice what it says. Not the gospel of works, the gospel of grace. Say grace. Grace here means things that are freely given to you. How are they given it to you? By inheritance. These are not religious things you earn. You don't get them because you were a good boy or a good girl this week. You don't get them because you went to church Sunday and now you added Wednesday to it and God's going to do something about it. These are things that were freely given to you no matter what really goes on in your life. You just got to discover. Whatever you discover in God's kingdom, you will recover in God's kingdom. If you don't discover it, you'll never recover it because it already belongs to you. Why? You've been restored back to... Genesis chapter 1, when man was created in the image and likeness of God, and he was given anything and everything that he ever needed. Adam lost all that, but Jesus restored you, put you back where you were into that place, and all those things now belong to you as an inheritance again. And the word of grace gives that to you. What do I have to do to do it? Nothing. You just have to receive the inheritance that belongs to you. And the Word will show you things that belong to you. You don't have to earn it. It's already been left to you. Now, religion will tell you what you have to do in order to get your inheritance. Well, go to church on Sunday or go to hell. How many know if you believe that, you're going to show up? You don't care if you're there. You're going to be there for an hour thinking about what you did last night or about your girlfriend or something else. You're not really there there, but bless God, you're there and you ain't going to hell because you're there, praise God. Why? Because religion told you you had to do that in order to get that. And how I many know it's going to be hard to walk in a confidence of salvation if you're missing church every now and then? You're going to feel like hell, I'm going for sure the way it's going right now. Why is that? Because it, we've been taught religion rather than being relationship. And why is that? Because all it is is you're born again and gone to heaven. You're born again and gone to heaven. And we made heaven our goal rather than our purpose. God's got you here for a purpose, not just to go to heaven. That's just a small piece of what you got when you came into the kingdom of God. It's part of your inheritance. Yeah, it's important. Yeah, that's only a small part of what God actually gave you when it gets right down. You got his nature. You got his power. You got his righteousness. You've got all these things on the inside of you. So I not only want to receive them, but I want to act like I have them. Remember what we said? You can study the word. Yes, praise God, I've got the peace of God. I've got the, God says I've got the peace of God. What do you think of the world right now? Oh my God, I'm telling you, it's just terrible out there. I never see anything like it. Well, what happened to your peace of God? Disappeared. Why? Because you're not acting and believing on the word of God. You just know a few scriptures. You know where they're located. You got them down in your notebook. You got them underlined. You got a star by them in your Bible. But I mean, you know, that's not going to work unless you put it to work in your life. So as I find things out, and it says, praise God, the best thing I ever found out is I was anointed. I prayed for the anointing for years. Oh, God, anoint me. Look at those people on TV. They're so anointed. I want to be anointed like them. Praise God, was I stupid. One good day I walked out and God says, you got the anointing. Hallelujah. I said, I got the anointing. The next time I walked out, goosebumps all over me. Next time I walked out, no goosebumps. I wonder where the anointing went, the anointing went, the anointing went. I, 
See, why? Because I was still in the feeling range, wasn't I? I was new to this stuff. I didn't know. Sometimes the presence of God would be there. Sometimes the presence of God was there. And the best thing that ever happened to me was I was at that Catholic charismatic prayer meeting. They asked me to teach there. They knew I was wild and crazy, so they gave me 15 minutes. Everybody else got an hour, but I got 15 minutes because they didn't want me to destroy the place when I got up there, praise God. So I preached at that basically for 15 minutes, say 15 minutes. And then I went back on the stage in my prominent place and sat back down. And the speaker after that got up behind the microphone and he just said, okay, open your Bibles. No, wait, wait, wait. God just spoke to me and we're going to have that gentleman right there on the end come up and preach for my hour. And I said, I only got 15 minutes of notes. I came, look, one page already preached it. It's all I got is 15 minutes and my 15 minutes is up. So what happened? Come on up here, son. I'm going up there. I'm in tongues. Oh, my God. Talk about praying in tongues. 560 mile an hour, praise God, I was praying in tongues. I don't even think God could keep up with what I was saying. But I got up there, and I just started talking. And all at once, the anointing came, and stuff started floating by because I'd already put it in me, see? I wasn't trusting God to bring it out of me. I was trusting my notes, which isn't all bad. How many know you need notes at times? But I learned that time that I had an anointing, or I'd have died in that hour. So I, so I knew for sure that there was anointing on my life, and then, no, I no longer pray for the anointing. I just walk out and praise God, I've got an anointing. I don't have to say even thank you, God, for the anointing, because I already got the anointing, you know? I'm appreciative of everything, but I have that. I know it belongs to me. I know I have the peace of God. I know I have the joy of God. I know I have all these things on the inside, and nobody's going to steal what I got for my inheritance from Jesus Christ, because he paid too much for it, and you ain't going to take it from me, praise God. If you want to go off on a wild tangent, if you want to holler, you want to scream, you want to do whatever you want, go right ahead, and when you're done, you know, we'll have a little talk or whatever. But it don't work that way. See, these are things that have been given to you that you've got to protect. And the word of grace will build you up, not the word of religion. It'll tear you down every single time. So am I going to know all this stuff? I'm going to have to read the will. Say, read the will. Read the will. All right, go to Psalm 107. We're not even going to get to the halfway point of this first one tonight. So we've just went to five weeks for sure already. <laughs> Psalm 107. All right. Psalm 107. We got to back up. Let's go to verse 18. Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat, and they draw near unto the gates of death. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of men, and let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. Notice here it tells you he sent his word, and what did it do? It healed you and delivered you. All right, so the word was sent. That means that if I'm born again, I am healed and I am what? I am delivered. God wants to reveal that to you. Any problem that you have in your life that you're struggling with, God will send you the word to take care of it. Or somebody with the word who can give you the word to take care of your problem or your issue. Because it's the word that's the answer. It's not a psychiatrist. It's not somebody who's got an opinion. It's not tradition. It's the word of God that will set you free. If you're off base, it's because you're off base with the word of God somewhere along the line. Either you don't know the word and, and so you're not doing it, or you know the word and you're not doing it anyway. So the word of God comes to change it. Here he says the word of God he gave you will, has delivered you from all destruction. Isaiah 53, 4 says, Surely... He has borne our sicknesses and carried our 
diseases. Now notice, all these things are past tense. Why? Because they are our inheritance already given to us. And you've got to get your mind to a place where you understand that these things belong to you now. They're not something that you have to get. How many of you know that wealth belongs to me, but when money gets tight, it seems to move away from me just a little bit to the right or to the left? See, the natural mind says, Do you, are you out of your mind? You ain't got it. But no, it, what is it? You're, you're in battle with the physical, natural thing. And another tough one is healing. How many know healing's tough? I'm healed. Are you healed? Praise God, I'm healed. How many are healed in here tonight? How many of you feel good tonight that you're healed? But when you wake up in the morning, all at once there's a pain. All at once the nose gets a little stuffy. All at once the throat gets a little scratchy. All at once a little headache comes on. Do you still believe the word? Come on. Or do you go the other direction and say, well, I thought he healed my diseases and now he needs to heal my diseases again because basically he didn't heal my diseases again. See, so what's the word there do? It's there once again to establish you and solidify you that these things belong to you. And I'm not saying it's easy. I'm saying that it will happen 30, 60, and sooner or later, a hundredfold. Where you come to the place where you wake up in the morning, don't feel good, say, get off of me. You get, don't you know I'm healed 2,000 years ago? I mean, the, the first thought that hits your mind when you're under attack will dictate what you're full of. See, and that's where it's tough. It's tough sometimes when you get hit with a symptom or get hit with this and, and you got to pull yourself up. And then, what did I do? What did I do to cause this, number one? What happened here? Well, why don't you just resist it first in faith and if it don't go away, then, then go down that avenue. If you're going over what did I did wrong, the devil will give you plenty of things that you did wrong. I remember when I used to go to confession all the time and you had to go to confession and you had to, you got to have a sin when you go. I mean, what's the, what's the point? So I'd go down and I'd try to think up all my sins. Let's see. Tuesday night I did this, I guess. And I mean, once you get born again and, and the Spirit of God's on the inside of you, you shouldn't have to search for sins. You will know. Amen. If you're walking with God, you will know when Dallas makest a boo-boo. And the Spirit of God will tell you you made a boo-boo. Then it's your choice whether to deal with that boo-boo or just keep boo-booing right down the street, praise God. But the more you boo-boo, the deeper you get into be boo-booed, praise God. And then you want to turn around and you want to blame God for what's wrong. No, no, no. You've been down the boo-boo trail now for a long time. Come on, you see. You know that voice is in there. You, you know he's what he's telling you to do. But I don't feel like doing that. Nobody else does that. Why should I do that? I'm a better Christian than them. Come on, these, but these are all thoughts that hit your mind. These are things that come to you. These are things that say that. Praise God. So you don't want to do that. You want to stand against this thing. If you know you're walking with God and, and nothing's there, praise God, stand against these things. Use the Word of God. It is the sword of the Spirit in order to run the Word of God off. Put it in your mouth and put it in there and run these things off because the Bible says it already happened. So notice this is the Word of God not only affecting your soul, but it's awful getting into your physical body and affecting your physical body at the same time. The Word of God wants to affect. It already affected your spirit. You're born again. You had a miracle. Now it wants to get in your soul, your mind, will, and emotions, imagination, and pretty soon it'll end up in your physical body, praise God. The Bible actually says, even said of the Pharisees, the kingdom of God is within you. How many know they weren't born again? Got quiet in here now. Praise God. Yeah. Why? Because the day that you were made, the kingdom of God features were in your features. In other words, it, it, it's, even if you're not born again, if you love other people, how many of you know you'll have a better life? If you do your best to love them, if you do your best to be kind, you're still going to have a better life because that's what's built into your, into your 
functions, into your muscles, into your every part about it, your nervous system. It's all in there. The kingdom of God wants you to be like that. When you step out of these things, that's when you start feeling, ugh, 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 ugh. And strife comes in your life. And once strife comes in your life, it starts to affect your physical body. Come on, you know what you feel like when you get in a big fight? Feel like you get hit by a spiritual bulldozer. You'll say, gosh, I know what happened, and I know that, but I don't care, and I was right again. Praise God. They were wrong, and Jesus is wrong, but I got it right on the nose. Praise God again. I'm right as right can be. Glory to God. That's where I am. What's that going to do? Pretty soon you ain't going to be able to sleep at night. Pretty soon you're going to have to be getting up worried at night. Pretty soon the devil's going to get in your mind even more. You cannot do that. We want to walk in the Word. We want the Word richly in us. We want to walk in the ways of God 24-7. So I want to affect my physical body. Well, I'll tell you what. I, I just eat this food and that food and this food. Well, do you worry and fear all the other day wrong? I mean, you're better off eating, eating candy and quit fearing and worrying for God's sakes. Dear Lord, give me a break. Do you find if We go from one direction to another direction. Everybody's so mixed up. Praise God. Have a piece of candy, but don't eat the one-pound bar. <laughs> Jesus. Come on now. So, I mean, worry is the same way. And, and you can see physical sin when people are out there drinking and doing all this stuff and point the finger at you, but bless God, what's going on in here? Right. Are you worrying in fear all day long? But look at them. Everybody can see them, but nobody can see what's going on on the inside of you. So only God can deal with that because nobody's going to see it unless they get a word of knowledge or something. They say, hey, you're worrying a lot and you're fearing or not. And then probably just make you mad anyway. Come on. A lot of truth here tonight. All right, he sent his word and he healed you and delivered you. See, this operates in your physical body. The Bible says he was stricken and smitten with your diseases and by his stripes we are healed. So what do I want to do? I want to read that. I want to put those scriptures together on the mouth of two or three witnesses. Let every word be established. We know that it's true. We know that God cannot lie. We know that God watches his word always to perform it and to back it up and he will make it good and keep it good in my situation. Praise God. He bore our sicknesses and our sin. Then we don't have to carry them anymore. They cannot be a part of us because he took them and put us in right standing with him. We are healed and we are delivered. Hallelujah. So if we're in righteousness of God, we should not be sick or we should not be ruled by sin. The Bible says, let not sin have dominion over you. Well, everybody's got a sin. Well, let not sin have dominion. But you don't understand, Pastor Tom, everybody's got a sin. Well, let not sin have dominion over you. What are you going to believe? You're going to believe that the pastor that brought you up told you that everybody's got to fall and sin sometime. Or you're going to believe the word of God that says sin shall not have dominion over you. It's up to you. One of them is the word of God. One of them is the opinion of somebody who's falling all the time. And I guarantee as long as they confess their failings and fallings, they're going to have more failings and fallings because they're putting faith in their failings and fallings. You see? If you believe the word of God, sin shall not have dominion over you, then you'll start catch sin when it comes. You'll catch it before you do it. Catch it right after you do it. See? You just won't say, there it is again, but everybody sins. Chalk up another one for me. No, because you're walking in the things of God and doing the right things. So if we've been made the righteousness of God in Christ, we've been put in line with God, basically the Bible tells us to give no place to the devil. So I'm not going to give him place in my physical body. I'm not going to give him place in my mind, my thought life, my emotions, my will. I'm going to keep him out of it. And how am I going to do that? By the word of God that I've got. If he sends his word, you dig up your word and send it back to him. Praise God. Because that's what the word of God is here for. It is the word of God that makes us masters of the devil. It tells us that we are kings and we are priests unto God, that we have dominion. The Bible says, in my name you shall cast out devils, not put up with devils. 
The Word teaches us the value and the authority of the name of Jesus and our legal right through our inheritance to use His name at all times. It's all revealed to us in the Word of God. The Bible says that some knees shall bow. 50% of the knees shall bow. Every other knee shall bow. No, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Hallelujah. All right, go to John 17. All right, John 17, look at verse 23. Jesus says, I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one. This is talking about us. And that the word may know that thou hast sent me and has loved them as thou hast loved me. Now, that's a powerful scripture there. That means that the Father loves you just as much as he loved Jesus. Most people have a problem understanding how much God really loves us. Go back to John 14. Look at verse 23. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and he will come unto them and make his abode or home with him. So here it is. What's it talking about? It's talking about walking in the presence of God. How do I walk in the presence of God? I believe the word of God that tells me not only does he love me as much as he loves Jesus, but since he did, I can love my neighbor just as much as he loves Jesus because I can walk in the love that God has given me. So the Father loves you. Say the Father loves me. No matter what I did in the last week, the Father still loves me. So what's he want to do? He wants to abide with you. You want a presence on your life at all time. What would it mean to walk in the presence of God 24 hours a day, seven days a week? I'm sure your mortgage would be paid. I'm sure your bills would be taken care of. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness or right alignment, and all these things will be added unto you. So it's not trying to get the added things unto you. It's trying to walk in the kingdom of God and walk in the right standing of God. So I know God loves me. How many know that takes a lot of pressure off you when God loves you? Because if he's mad at you, you got problems. If he doesn't like you, you got issues. If he's out to get you, you in trouble. Praise God. But people believe that. They believe that's who God is and he's trying to keep me out of heaven and all this stuff. No, he loves you according to the word. He loves you as much as he loves Jesus. Praise God. All right, go to Hebrews chapter 12. One thing I learned to do in the Bible as soon as I found out that God and his word are one is sometimes I will exchange God and his word in the Bible. I mean, you know, that's not cheating. That's not lying. That's not stealing. If God and his word are one, I can put God in the sentence or I can put word in the sentence. Are you following me? Good. Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 12. Don't want to get in trouble again. <laughs> Look at verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Notice, looking unto Jesus. I used to read that scripture and say, where are you? My God, I want to look unto you. And all my problems will be solved. Where are you? So then I, once I put in there, looking unto the word, 
the author and finisher of my faith. So what did I do? I just substitute the word. He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him or on the on the word of God. See, you're just substituting one for the other. So by looking into the word and acting on the word, you bring Jesus on the scene instantly. The secret of faith is perfected by our acting on the word of God, letting the word loose in us, to live in us, to dominate us, and to rule us. The Bible says, you shall lay hands on the sick and they shall what? Recover. But this means nothing until you actually act on it. In my name you shall cast out demons. This means absolutely nothing until you start casting out devils. It is acting on the word that brings faith in your believer's heart. Basically, a head of information will not help you. You need revelation. You may have all the promises. You may have the mighty spirit dwelling in you. But if you do not act on the word of God, God is powerless to do anything in your life. Acting on the word gives God an opportunity in your life. Whenever you act on the word, it gives God an opportunity in your life. All right. Go to Romans chapter 10. And don't you just love the Word of God? I'm telling you what. Dear Lord. All right, Romans chapter 10, look at verse 9. That if you shall confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, shall believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto what? Salvation. Notice, if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus... With the mouth, confession was made unto salvation. Notice, it is the word that gets into your lips that matter in your life. The word will become a living thing in the lips of a believer. It causes the believer to trust in the Lord with all of his heart. It brings the unsaved man under conviction. It gives him faith to act on the word and receive salvation. Our word becomes God's word. Our lips becomes God's ambassador in the earth realm. God's word in our mouth, fresh from the love of God in our heart, burns the heart of the believer to come to the Lord Jesus. I'll just give you these because of the time. Matthew 4, 4 says, As physical food feeds the body, the word of God feeds your spirit. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's Matthew 4, 4. Job 23, 12. Yes, good old Job. Job 23, 12 says, Can our spirits get more hungry for the word than our bodies for natural food? The word is life, and the word is a treasure to the believer. The word is a treasure to the believer. Jeremiah 15, 16 says that the word of God will bring joy to your heart. Joyous, joyless people are basically wordless people. Jeremiah 15, 16, Job 23, 12, Matthew 4, 4. Basically, in your life, if the world replaces the Word of God, then you will get into a place where you feel like you're in a funk. The Word must be in your thought. It must be in your talk. There is a battle between the world and the Word. Say, there's a battle between the world and the Word. And how do we win that battle? We get the L out of our lives. We get the L out of our lives. You get it? You get the L out of world, you got word. So you get the L out of your life. And what do you do? You won't be in the world anymore. You'll be in the word. Hallelujah. 
What is that? It's a reason to rejoice, praise God. So if you're in the Word and you're spending time in the Word, there should be a joy in your heart. Say, a joy in my heart. Should be a spring in your step and all these things because you're in the Word of God and you're getting revelation on a daily basis. Praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. the kingdom of God and his right